Psalm chapter 75 verse 1 and instruction of Asaph. This is a song that will teach us something, and it's written by Asaph, who is one of the chief musicians and singers in Solomon's temple, and in King David's time. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ear to the sayings of my mouth. Asaph is telling the people of Israel to listen to what he says so that they can learn from it. 2. I open with a simile my mouth. I bring forth hidden things of old. He says, I'm going to explain ancient teachings, and I'm going to use simile, which I call metaphor, because usually the similes that they use are metaphors. Metaphor is in every language, and it's where you say that one thing is something that it's literally not, but by saying that it is that other thing, people get a whole word picture of what that means. An example of a metaphor is when the Bible says that Jesus is the Lamb of God. He didn't have hooves or wool or long ears, but it gives us a word picture of his purpose, which was to be a sacrifice for our transgressions. 3. That we have heard and do know, and our fathers have recounted to us. In this song, we're going to learn what we have already been told. Things that have already been taught to the generations are going to be taught again to make sure that we still know. 4. We do not hide from their sons to a later generation, recounting praises of Jehovah and his strength and his wonders that he hath done. He's saying that we're going to make sure that all of the future generations know what the previous generations have seen the Lord do. 5. And he raiseth up a testimony in Jacob, and a law hath placed in Israel, that he commanded our fathers to make them known to their sons. The Israelites had a testimony of all the things that the Lord had done for them, and the Lord gave them the law to pass on to their generations. 6. So that a later generation doth know, sons who are born do rise and recount to their sons. Everyone who's born should hear from his own father what the Lord has done, and then tell his own son, and then tell his own sons. The men were the priests of the household in the Bible. They were responsible for making sure that the entire family knew God's law. That's why it says, fathers tell sons. 7. And place in God their confidence, and forget not the doings of God, but keep his commands. When the next generation hears what the Lord did for the previous generation, and hears the laws that the Lord gave, then they will want to obey. 8. And they are not like their fathers, a generation apostate and rebellious, a generation. It hath not prepared its heart, nor steadfast with God is its spirit. In previous generations, the Israelites just kept sinning over and over and over. The point of retelling the history of Israel and the law is to encourage the new generations to stop sinning, because then they will learn that every time Israel broke the laws of the Lord, they were punished for it. They were attacked by foreign nations. Apostate is what many Christians are today. It's when you believe that you're guaranteed salvation no matter what you do, and that you do not have to follow the Lord and you do not have to obey his commands, that God didn't mean what he said, and that you're going to heaven even though you love to sin. 
That's what an apostate person is. And there are many Christians today who think that way. And a rebellious person is somebody who's stubborn and doesn't want to obey the Lord. There are sinners out there who are sinning, but they're not really apostate. They're actually struggling with sin because they know it's wrong. They don't want to do it. They know that they're going to go to hell, but they don't know how to stop. In that case, that person is not apostate. They're in bondage and they need deliverance. And the apostate people do too, but for a different reason. It's because they're narcissistic and they think that they're better than God and that they don't have to follow him. But there are lots of people who are not apostate, but they need deliverance. So if you're one of those people, pray for deliverance and ask the Lord to change your heart and your mind so that you can give up your addictions and your sin. 9. Sons of Ephraim, armed bearers of bow, have turned in a day of conflict. 10. They have not kept the covenant of God, and in his law they have refused to walk. Ephraim was the favored tribe. He was the second-born son of Joseph, who was one of the last-born sons of Jacob. He was favored because the first is last and the last is first in the Bible. But even the favored tribe was not able to win a battle when they had sinned against the Lord. 11. And they forget his doings and his wonders that he showed them. They forgot about him leading them out of Egypt and all the plagues, sending the manna from heaven, sending the water out of a rock, and everything else wonderful that he did for them. And then they just went back to their sin. 12. Before their fathers he hath done wonders in the land of Egypt, the field of Zoan. In the field or the plain of Zoan in that area, they came out of Egypt by mighty wonders of the Lord, the ten plagues. But the generations didn't care. They forgot about that and went back to sin. 13. He cleft a sea and causeth them to pass over. Yea, he causeth waters to stand as a heap. He split the waters in the Red Sea so that they could all pass on dry land. 14. And leadeth them with a cloud by day, and all the night with a light of fire. The Lord presented himself as a pillar of smoke during the day that the Israelites would follow, and a pillar of fire by night that the Israelites would follow. And since these were millions of people following, you know that pillar had to be extremely tall, like skyscraper tall, in order for all of the millions of people to see it. 15. He cleaveth rocks in a wilderness, and giveth drink, as the great deep. That is when he split the rock at Horeb, and the water came pouring out, and it created an entire river that would water millions of people and millions of cattle. 16. And bringeth out of streams from a rock, and causeth waters to come down as rivers. The water that came out of Horeb was not a stream, it was a massive river. It had to be. 17. And they add still to sin against him, to provoke the Most High in the dry place. In the desert they continued sinning. They were grumbling and complaining and slandering the Lord and Moses. 18. And they try God in their heart to ask food for their lust. They didn't think the manna that came from heaven was good enough for them. They grumbled because they didn't have meat to eat, and that was when the Lord sent quail. 19. And they speak against God. They said, Is God able to array a table in a wilderness? 
They actually said, we want the fruit that was in Egypt. We want to eat all of the fruit that we used to eat when we were slaves. Well, they didn't eat much of it because they were poor slaves. And now they had manna, which was a food that the Egyptians never had. I bet the Egyptians would have loved to eat manna. But you know how the grass is always greener on the other side. So the grumbling Israelites complained because they were eating manna in the desert. 20. Lo, he hath smitten a rock, and waters flow, yea, streams overflow. Also bread is he able to give, doth he prepare flesh for his people? And he did, he sent the manna from heaven, which represents the flesh of Jesus Christ, who is the word. Jesus came from heaven to be with the people. Even in the Old Testament, Jesus appeared many times, as the manna, as the rock, as the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke, and in many other ways. 21. Therefore hath Jehovah heard, and he showeth himself wroth, that means angry, and fire hath been kindled against Jacob, and anger also hath gone up against Israel. The Lord punished them with a plague of snakes. He also punished them with an earthquake that swallowed up Korah and his family. He punished them in different ways when they grumbled. 22. For they have not believed in God, nor have they trusted in his salvation. There's a lot of Christians today who claim that they believe in God and they believe in Jesus. But in the Bible, it's very clear that simply acknowledging the identity of God and Jesus is not believing in him. Because the demons know who God is. The demons know that Jesus died on the cross. In the Bible, believing in Jesus means obeying him and believing everything that he said. There's too many Christians that think that they believe in God, but they don't believe anything he says, and they don't even want to know what he said. They refuse to read their Bibles because the last thing they want to know is what God said. And when somebody quotes a verse to them, they change the subject because they don't like what God said. Those people are not believers. 23. And he commanded clouds from above, yea, doors of the heavens he hath opened, to rain over them this manna from heaven, which was bread. It came in little tiny granules, and then they had to gather it, and then they could knead it and bake it and eat it. 24. And he raineth on them manna to eat, yea, corn of heaven he hath given to them. Corn of heaven is a metaphor. It wasn't literally corn, but it was what heaven would equate as corn to make bread. Evidently, maybe the manna bread had a little bit of a corn flavor to it. 25. Food of the mighty hath each eaten. Venison he sent to them to satiety. It says venison. That is wild animals that they could eat. But he also sent them quail. 26. He caused an east wind to journey in the heavens, and leadeth by his strength a south wind. 27. And he raineth on them flesh as dust, and as sand of the sea, winged fowl. That's talking about when he sent the quail. But he was furious with them when he sent the quail, because they had complained about the manna, and that was from heaven. How could you complain about food from heaven? You see, he gave them something that no one else on the planet had ever eaten, and yet they were complaining that they were eating angels' food. It was total insanity, so he had every right to be furious with them. 28. And causeth it to fall in the midst of his camp, round about his tabernacles. All of the quail birds fell on the ground, ready to eat. 
they were still alive. They were just grounded so that the Israelites could easily pick them up and eat them. 29. And they eat and are greatly satisfied, and their desire he bringeth to them. He gave them what they wanted, even though they were belligerent and hateful toward him. 30. They have not been estranged from their desire, yet is there food in their mouth. 31. And the anger of God hath gone up against them, and he slayeth among their fat ones, and youths of Israel he caused to bend. The Lord was so furious because they didn't even thank him for the quill. They just started eating it without even thanking him or apologizing for having complained about the manna. He sent a plague and killed several thousand of them in that instant because they were so arrogant. 32. With all this they have sinned again and have not believed in his wonders. 33. And he consumeth in vanity their days and their years in trouble. Vanity is when you think you're going to get something that you're not, or when you think you're better than you actually are. They thought they were better than the angels in heaven, and that heaven's food wasn't good enough for them. And a lot of them died that day. 34. If he slew them, then they sought him, and turned back and sought God earnestly. Which means the only time they ever repented was when they got punished. And that's a lot of stubbornness. It's very sad when people only obey God to avoid punishment. 35. And they remembered that God is their rock, and God most high their redeemer. But at least they did repent. 36. And they deceive him with their mouth, and with their tongue do lie to him. They told him they loved him and would obey him, but they didn't. They always broke their promise to obey. 37. And their heart hath not been right with him, and they have not been steadfast in his covenant, meaning they don't keep their word. If you want to keep your covenant with the Lord, obey him. 38. And he, the merciful one, pardoneth iniquity, and destroyeth not, and hath often turned back his anger, and waketh not up all his fury. When God is angry, he doesn't show us all of his anger, just a little bit of it, and all of it is justified. And he forgives us even when we don't deserve forgiveness, even when we've sinned over and over the same sin. 39. And he remembereth that they are flesh, a wind going on, and it returneth not. He remembered that their lives are short, and therefore he had mercy on them. 40. How often do they provoke him in the wilderness, grieve him in the desolate place? Over and over, they continuously provoked the Lord. 41. Yea, they turn back and try God, and the Holy One of Israel have limited. The Holy One is Jesus, the Son of God. He's referenced over and over in the Old Testament. He just isn't called Jesus because at that time nobody knew what his exact name was going to be. But he's referenced over and over. So they returned to their sin, and they tested God's patience again. 42. They have not remembered his hand the day he ransomed them from the adversary. They forgot that he had saved them from Egypt. And Egypt represents sin. The intention was that he would pull them out of a sinful lifestyle, but they kept forgetting it. There's many Christians today whom the Lord has pulled out of a sinful lifestyle, but then they forgot and they went back to their sin. 43. When he set his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zoan. 44. And he turneth to blood their streams, and their floods they drink not. 
That was when he sent the plague of the water turning into blood in Egypt. 45. He sendeth among them the beetle, and it consumeth them, and the frog, and it destroyeth them. He also sent a plague of beetles to cover Egypt, and a plague of frogs to cover Egypt, so that Pharaoh would let the people go. But he had to send a lot more plagues before Pharaoh agreed. 46. And giveth to the caterpillar their increase, and their labor to the locust. He also sent a plague of locust. 47. He destroyed with hail their vine, and their sycamores with frost. Where it says caterpillars, that could be a translation error, because the plague was lice, and the frost could also be a translation error as well. 48. And delivered up to the hell their beasts, and their cattle to the burning flames. Some of their cattle did die when the hell was sent down, because it was the same kind of hell that God sent on Sodom, which was balls of ice with sulfur fire burning on the inside. So it would go through the atmosphere as a ball of ice, but when it hit ground, the ice would crack and out would be a sulfur ball that was burning fire and it would set everything on fire that it touched. The same type of plague happened in Sodom and Gomorrah and it will happen again during the Great Tribulation, as we will read in the book of Revelation. There are types of hell that God has that he's reserved for very special occasions of his wrath that have sulfur fireballs on the inside of them. 49. He sendeth on them the fury of his anger, wrath and indignation and distress, a discharge of evil messengers. Evil in the Old Testament and in the New simply means anything bad. So it's not always malicious evil, which is demonic. The evil that comes from God is when he punishes us, but it's not malicious, demonic evil. 50. He pondereth a path for his anger. He kept not back their soul from death. Yea, their life to the pestilence he delivered up. He caused many of them to die because of their willful sin and their refusal to repent and their apostasy. They knew his laws and they absolutely refused to obey. So many of those did die as examples to the others who would hopefully repent. 51. And he smiteth every firstborn in Egypt, the first fruit of the strong in tents of Ham. Ham was one of the sons of Noah, whose descendants went to Africa, and yes, the Egyptians were probably black back in those days, because Ham's descendants were namely black people. And the Lord killed the firstborn of everyone in Egypt, including the animals. That was the final plague. 53. And causeth his people to journey as a flock, and guideth them as a drove in a wilderness. The Israelites journeyed in the wilderness, just like a flock of sheep. 53. And he leadeth them confidently, and they have not been afraid, and their enemies hath the sea covered. And that's because when they crossed the Red Sea, the Egyptians followed them over the sea, but then the water covered the Egyptians and drowned the Egyptian army. 54. And he bringeth them in unto the border of his sanctuary. This mountain his right hand had got. He brought them into Canaan and into Jerusalem, and into a place where they could put the tabernacle. 55. And casteth out nations from before them, and causeth them to fall in the line of inheritance and causeth the tribes of Israel to dwell in their tents. As he had prophesied to the Israelites, 
he caused them to take over the cities and the towns that the pagans were in and take over the houses and the farms and the vineyards that the pagans had and drive the pagans out. 56. And they tempt and provoke God Most High, and his testimonies have not kept. They didn't acknowledge all that he had done for them, and they provoked his anger. 57. And they turn back and deal treacherously like their fathers. They have been turned like a deceitful bow. They betrayed the Lord over and over because every time he rescued them, after a little while they would go straight back into sin and act as if it was the false demon gods who rescued them. 58. And make him angry with their high places and with their graven images. Make him zealous. They made the Lord jealous while they were worshiping their false gods. It's funny how demons like to be worshipped on a hill, under a tree, but God made the hill and the tree. 59. God hath heard and showed himself wroth, and kicketh exceedingly against Israel. The Lord was angry and he kept kicking Israel in the ribs every time that they disobeyed. It's the anger of a father that wants a child to obey. That's why the Lord disciplines us. It's to bring us into humility so that we repent. 60. And he leaveth the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent he had placed among men. 61. And he giveth his strength to captivity and his beauty into the hand of an adversary. The Lord allowed the tabernacle to be snatched out of Shiloh. This is referring to 1 Samuel chapter 4, when the Philistines kidnapped the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant, and they killed some of the priests in Shiloh. It was later returned because it caused a lot of destruction to the Philistines because of the holiness of God. The Philistines were so filthy in their sin that a lot of them died because of it. 62. And delivered up to the sword his people, and with his inheritance showed himself angry. He allowed the Israelites to be attacked in battle by their enemies. 63. His young men hath fire consumed, and his virgins have not been praised. Some of the virgins of Israel were not able to get married because of the men dying in battles when the Lord was angry with them. The men's lives were consumed in the fire of the Lord because of his anger. Because of the blood of Jesus, his son, who died on the cross for you, you can be transformed. All you have to do is repent, and Jesus will come to you, drive all the demons out, and transform your lives. And in the Old Testament, when he told the Israelites to drive out the pagans, that symbolizes the new covenant that we live under, where the demons are driven out from our lives so that we can walk in righteousness and purity. 64. His priests by the sword have fallen, and their widows weep not. Things were so bad in Israel that it was every man for himself sometimes, so even the wives of the priests wouldn't take time to weep over their men, because those women had to look out for themselves and their children. 65. And the Lord waketh as a sleeper, as a mighty one crying aloud from wine. This is a metaphor saying the Lord woke up like a angry drunk. It's just saying that his wrath was unpredictable. They didn't know what he would do to them. Now this isn't because the Lord couldn't control himself. It's just a metaphor to show the terror that the people were under whenever they disobeyed him. 
66. And he smiteth his adversaries backward, a reproach age during he hath put on them. He causes people to retreat and step backward because of their fear. 67. And he kicketh against the tent of Joseph, and on the tribe of Ephraim hath not fixed. 68. And he chooseth the tribe of Judah with Mount Zion that he, that he loved. The Lord allowed even his favored tribes not to be chosen as the royal tribe. The royal tribe became Judah. Judah set his capital city, Jerusalem, where Zion is, and that is where the Lord placed his temple. 69. And buildeth his sanctuary as a high place, like the earth. He founded it to the age. Zion is on a high elevation that symbolizes the fact that the Lord is on high. 70. And he fixed on David his servant, and taketh him from the folds of a flock. He took David to be king, although he was just a little boy who was a shepherd. And he took him from the tribe of Judah. 71. From being suckling ones he hath brought him in, to ruler over Jacob his people, and over Israel his inheritance. Suckling ones would be babies or toddlers, and David was literally anointed king when he was still a small boy. We don't know exactly how young he was, but he was very young when he was anointed to be king. 72. And he ruleth them according to the integrity of his heart, and by the skillfulness of his hands leadeth them. This is saying that King David truly loved the Lord because his heart had integrity. Integrity is when you obey the Lord, even though it's difficult. For instance, when King David forgave Saul for chasing him and trying to kill him, and when King David refused to kill Saul, even though he could have, that shows integrity. He did the right thing, even when it cost him something. The Lord also, through David, was leading Israel in righteousness. Now that's the end of this song, and this song is really going through many of the wonders that the Lord performed in Israel's history. And that concludes Psalm chapter 78.